Welcome to Brunch of the Soul, the podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Corfa, a freelance journalist, entrepreneur, and founder of Brunch for the Soul. Brunch for the Soul, the podcast, is an inspirational and down-to-earth space where creative women talk about how to live boundlessly, step into your highest self, and manifest your wildest dreams. Pull up a seat to the table. Let's dive in. Welcome to Brunch with the Soul, the podcast, everyone. I am feeling a little bit giddy and giggly right now because I am about to have a conversation with one of my dearest and closest friends from college, and she has just evolved in so many ways, like the the way that I've got to watch her grow since we first met sharing an umbrella at LSU (laughs) while it was pouring down. Um, And now she is a rock star, an an influencer, a model, and all the things. So thank you, Kesley, for being here. Kesley Boo is what you go by now, right? Yes. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. So today I want to talk with you um about starting over and like living in your truth you've had just like this really beautiful journey um and it's amazing because even though you moved i feel like we both kind of took similar like paths in a sense like we both like made some major life changes around the same time um so i definitely want to dive into that today but before we get into that i want to kind of get to know who you are so could you tell me who kesley boo is now oh my dude i hate when people i mean this is fine i get so nervous not nervous but i do this what i'm doing right now when people ask me stuff like that it's it's who are you and what kind of music do you like Yeah, (laughs) or like who are you listening to right now and both those questions make my brain explode um but i am kesley boo is like finding herself at like an accelerated rate (laughs) that's for sure Mm -hmm. Um, literally literally i've changed so much in the last year and i'm just like grateful for the changes and just trying to like accept as many like i guess I guess changes different things as quickly as possible and figure out what is me, what is not me, because I was like raised in a very specific environment when I was younger and was very conditioned in a lot of ways and went through some life changes, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into. And I'm just now I'm just like on my own and I'm like relearning, unlearning so much. So, but I think Kesley Boo is or is right now or is becoming a very free thinker, a very like independent woman, fun. I've been saying a lot recently that I just like wanna live in my own imaginary world. (laughs) That sounds kind of crazy, but it's in the sense of like when I let so many other ideas and things in, I just compare so much and it's so destructive. So I like want to have healthier boundaries. Kesley Boo has healthier boundaries. (laughs) So, but still like learning all of it. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And I see it myself, like just from afar. I mean, I'm only getting a glimpse, but I feel like I see you really stepping into yourself and like not caring as much, or, you know, maybe if you do care, at least you're shedding those ideas and, and you're just living. And I see this new colorful, bold version of you that is just so amazing to witness. So I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you. I've had so many good, like independent women role models that are my age, younger, older, like you, who I just look up to. And it's like, I can tell that everything you've done like you have decided it yourself, like you've listened to your gut, your, your intuition, and like, you've just done it. Like, I've never seen anyone stop you from you doing the best thing for yourself. Like no one, you've never let anyone stop you. And that's kind of how I want to be. And I think I used to, and still probably do sometimes let so many people control me or like suppress me or put their 
like project what they want me to be onto me. And I will just like put other people's things first all of the time or I used to. And now it's like, wait a second, like, no, if I want to do this, I don't need all these other people's like permission to put this song out or to put this in a song or to, you know, paint my room or like change my hair. Like I can just do it. It's oh, it's like, it's okay. And people can disagree or agree with it. They can love it or hate it, but like it really shouldn't affect me not doing something that I feel like is right for me. Like a creative choice, especially like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, you know, when I met you, you were in a totally different space, right? So you Mm -hmm. grew up in the church and in a very religious setting. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with now, you know, having to kind of get rid of those ideas of asking for permission or, you know, that type of thing. Like, can you tell me about like how you grew up and, and maybe how that's impacted you? Yeah. Um, Thankfully, I have a really good therapist right now who's helping me like work through a lot of these things. Um, And I basically grew up in a very like, I don't want to say super legalistic because I there is worse, but a little legalistic, I guess, um, Baptist community, which nothing against any of that. It's just I get such in a weird because I want to like defend everything and everyone. It's so weird. And I know a lot a lot of us women do that anyway. But um, I guess I just grew up like every decision that I made was going to reflect on my family, was going to reflect on my faith, was going to reflect on like how good of a Christian I was. Every decision that I made had to be like the right decision and usually had to be for the good of someone else or for the greater good, not necessarily for my good. And I I was actually listening to another podcast earlier, like last week that helped me realize this girl who grew up in like a similar situation. Like we, I was taught that like your heart and your own desires is the most deceitful thing. So I basically, and there's like a Bible verse, I don't remember what the Bible verse is, but it literally says like the heart is the most deceitful thing or something like that. And I was always raised like being told that. And I didn't realize that that thought in my, like being taught that made me not trust myself. So like if I really wanted, like literally we can just use my hair as an example. Like I have naturally long wavy, dirty blonde hair. And it was like highlighted recently. I cut it and dyed and like, went platinum and dyed half of it orange for music and whatever. It's like, I could easily, because of that thought process of like, the heart is the most deceitful thing, be like, well, why am I doing that? I have to, I have to question every single thought, every single desire. And I grew up that way. And always thinking that, well, maybe I, do I want to cut it? Is it for attention? Like, God gave me this hair color. Like, am I not supposed to change it? Like literally this like insane thought process that really isn't healthy. It doesn't really get you anywhere. (laughs) And um, I kind of grew up like that. And then also just so many like rules of like what you can do, what you can't do. And it really, um, it's just a little box that you have to live inside of And if you step out of it, not only is it just different and people in general, groups of people in general are so afraid of what's different and afraid of change. It's like not only in that Christian space or that Baptist space, I guess, would you be a little different? It's also like, well, now you're also questioning your right and wrong. It's also questioning your morals. Oh, well, why do you want to wear ripped jeans? That's such a weird example. Or why do you want to get extra piercings? Or well, why do you want a tattoo? Like, are you turning into the world? Like, are you too secular? Like, there's all these, there's all these like weird things. And it's such an anxiety inducing situation for anybody, let alone a female child growing up, developing, trying to be independent. And there's so much more pressure, I think, put on women in the church. And I also was a singer, so I was on stage. And when you're on stage and you're like a voice, I guess, for the group, you're also this role model. And people, for some reason, have been given permission to put all of this pressure on you and all of this, well, you can't be cussing 
because then you're a hypocrite if you're on stage you can't be going out and drinking even when i was in college i like led worship for a, a youth group and i was of legal age and i didn't feel like i was like well if i like i can't have a drink like then i'm like a hypocrite and in different denominations believe different things when it comes to alcohol for example but all of these things the last 25 years of my life have just <laughs> plagued my existence <laughs> i feel like a lot of people can relate to to what you just shared and and kind of living in that and what amazes me is how you are able, we're able to come out of that. Like I, you know, I remember when we talked like in college, like, and we would, we were always, I mean, we've always been goal oriented and we've always been like dreamers. I feel like ever since we met, we like clung to each other and we were like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And we were always kind of like manifesting, you know, our future lives. And I remember one of the things you told me was you wanted to be like a traveling worship leader mm. and, you know, essentially you wanted to be a rock star, you know, just as you are now. But at the time, you know, that was framed as, uh, you know, a worship leader. And I remember once you um, found your partner at the time, you were like, I want to be a traveling worship leader with him, you know, mm. so how now that you're well first of all I want to rewind and I want to talk about how um you were also married can okay. we talk a little bit about that and like you know I was I was in your wedding and <laughs> we were we were in college you know we were young and so and you um you know you took that step at the time you're giggling you're making me laugh <laughs> Yeah, I know it's crazy to think it is like literally like a past life, right? But but that was that was what happened. So can you maybe walk us through whatever way you feel comfortable sharing? Um, but maybe walk us through that how how that evolved. Yeah. Okay. I will. Okay. Um. So I want to start by saying that in my brain currently, there's like because I'm still and I was talking to you about this before we started. There's still so much I'm figuring out. Like I haven't truly landed on a few things, especially like spiritually slash religiously. But I do know that right now I, I would still, I haven't led worship in maybe almost a year now, but it's still something that I really love and want to do. And the reason I think I could is because like, wait, I don't know. There's a huge separation in my mind right now working. I'm working through my thoughts on like how I feel towards basically just human beings in the church setting and church in general with like the ways people have are running it now and how they've what they've turned it into I guess like I'm like processing a lot of that whereas like my views on God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and like the spiritual world and like leading worship and music, like a lot of that is still the same. Like I believe in God. Um, I believe in the Holy spirit and Jesus. And like a lot of that is really, it's just in my core. And I believe in spiritual things and like spiritual energies. And there's definitely something bigger out there than us. So like my experiences haven't dulled God for me. It's just like, people be not doing stuff right. There's no way. So anyway, I don't know if that makes sense, but there's a, there's just like a big difference in my mind, but I feel like this whole process being married, being divorced, being in the church, stepping away from the church, like God is just getting bigger to me. And I think that's how like it should be because I think in these different groups of people, we just put God in this box and anything that doesn't align with that thought process or whatever is like, oh, this, we don't talk about it. It's just very frustrating. So that's like my base of where I am right now, religiously or spiritually, I guess, if that makes sense. But I would love to lead worship again one day um, and do it. There's power in it. I love music. There's so much power in music, even when it's not like geared towards a spiritual thing, I guess but so much of regular life is spiritual, like love is spiritual and like finding yourself and like impact, like songs that are hopeful, like all of that is very spiritual to me. 
So anyway, there's that. When I was with my ex, um, we, it's just kind of, I think was expected that we, cause we met kind of in the church and like, we were in a small town where all of our friends were getting married at that age. I was 21 when I got married, he was 23. Um, and that's just kind of what you do. We, we, me and you both went to LSU. We, so we were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Neither of us grew up there, but, um, I was there for, I guess, night from 19 or 18 years old or 17, 18 to 23 or two. So, I mean, every one of my friends at that age, they were just like, a lot of them were in the church and a lot of them had grown up there and a lot of them were getting married. My parents were married young. So it was just like this expectation. And as a Christian in the Baptist world, I was really, it was really instilled in me to not have sex before marriage. So that plays a huge factor, like in your life decisions as a young 20 something, like you're gonna want to have sex at some point, like, you know, so, um, we dated and we, we were both virgins when we got married. We like did everything. I've always done everything I was supposed to do, like done it the way that I was taught and like, have never, I've been terrified of like not doing it the right way, the right way, quote unquote. So, um, I think a lot of that pushed us into something that maybe we weren't ready for or weren't right for. And I think the expectation since we kind of started in the church and that's just where I was singing the most. And that's where I felt like I was supposed to be or should be or whatever. Um, we just did a lot of Christian kind of music and then we were doing worship music. And I think at that time, I was comfortable in that space and wanted to continue for myself. There was a large part of myself that wanted to, to do worship music with my ex. Um, and then there was also a large part of me that was like, well, I don't want to let anyone down. There's like all of these kids that were leading. We were, we would travel around that we kind of would make extra money traveling around to different churches and like youth groups and stuff and leading worship. And I honestly love, like, I loved it. That was the one part of church that like made sense to me was like music and worship. Like that part made sense usually all the time. That's when I really felt God with me in the room. Like I loved that. And then it's just been a slow, we moved out of Baton Rouge. We were in Atlanta, bigger city away from family. And, um, me and my ex just kind of started to drift apart. And I think at some point you have to make a decision for like what's healthy for you. Um, because it's easy to put out online like we're a healthy couple and nothing has changed. And like, we're still doing music and we're still in the church and all these things when reality is the stress of just like regular life, life that we weren't ready for marriage, that we weren't ready for certain things. We just weren't ready for financial responsibilities that we weren't ready for. Like all of these things were getting harder and harder outside of church and outside of social media. Um, and I think it just made it very difficult and we didn't know what to do or how to really handle all of those things and like both be healthy individuals at the end of it. And so we just grew apart and it doesn't mean that it was like wrong or it shouldn't have happened. Like I have no regrets. I'm pretty sure he has no regrets, but it's like, I had to make a decision at some point of like, what do I want the next? We were married for five years. And I had to decide, and I'm being a little vague with a few things, but like, I had to decide, do I want the next five years to look like the last five years? Because, you know, every single thing, everything that would have been in my check list or whatever for where I want to be in life or where we kind of started out when we first got married to five years later, like everything had gotten worse, communication or finances or like 
you know, we were starting to believe different things religiously and politically, like every single thing that we kind of aligned on was like changing or going in opposite directions. And we were more like roommates than husband and wife. The last three years of our marriage, we had roommates. We could barely afford anything. I mean, we, we did get through COVID just fine somehow, but like by the end of that, no money, no money. Like the first time that I was negative, whatever in my account, thank God I had some cash and I drove to the bank and I put the cash in and we were fine. But it's like, no, everything had gone downhill and there was like not a lot of hope for it to be going uphill without a massive change. And I think I just kind of asked myself, like, you know, you're doing, you cannot keep doing the same thing and expect a better result. So I just decided I don't want the next five years to look like this. So I got to, we got to do something. And then we decided the best thing to do would be to get a divorce. And I think it has been the best thing. Um, it's been this past year has been one of the craziest ups and downs, I guess, has had the craziest ups and downs, but overall has been like one of the best years just with myself. That is beautiful. That is so beautiful. And I am just so grateful I got to, to witness it. Um, I'm curious, like, I'm sure there's people listening who have also been in this situation, who also grew up in the church, who also got married. Um, how did you, you know, especially as someone who, like you said, like followed the rules, you know, and like did everything quote unquote, right. You know, you were trying to follow the book. Like, how did you accept like, okay, it's time to close this chapter. Like, how did you come to terms with that and not just keep going, you know, because you could have just, you know, just allowed it to keep going. So how did you decide to move forward with that? I think a little bit, I don't know. I luckily had the support of my parents who are important to me. And like, we've always had a close relationship. Um, and like, I had been telling them things, I'd have been keeping them updated with my life and like my relationship for a while. And they had seen a lot of the same unhealthy patterns. And I had a few of my other close friends, like you, two of my best friends from high school, another couple married couple who has kids that I really trust and really love them and what they think. And, um, everyone was just like, you call us once or twice a year with this same thing. Like, you know, maybe you should seek a new, whatever. Basically I had the support of people that I trusted because again, I was raised to believe that like, I can't trust myself. So like, I think I had the answer in my mind for the last two or three years of our marriage, but didn't trust it unless I had other people's approval, which I'm sure there's a healthy and unhealthy side to that or like pros and cons to that. Um, but it did help me, especially when my parents were like, you know, we're going to support your decision. And if you need us, like we're here, we understand, like we, you know, are not going to be shocked or upset or like mad at you. We're not going to like cut you off or some crazy thing. Like a lot of, I'm sure other people like in religion, like, I, I don't know there's, I was lucky and I still had that support system and it made me feel like, okay, I'm not crazy. This is bad and I can't fix it. So I got to go, I guess. And we, it was very mutual. It was a mutual, for the most part, it was like a pretty mutual separation. Um, but there was a lot of fear for like what other people would think, like people from different churches that I'd been in or like kids that I'm not going to get on the phone with them and like explain the last three, four years and, and like tell them everything that happened outside of church. And so that's when it gets hard. Cause like there were kids that we were like leading worship for who their parents were going through a divorce or like whatever kids go through all kinds of horrible stuff and traumatic events and adults rarely explain things to kids. Um, and I just felt really responsible. Um, even though I know that I'm not, but there was that feeling for a little while of like, I 
can't explain. Like there's going to be kids that have seen me and my ex have this perfect little Christian husband and wife does music together thing. And then all of a sudden they're just getting a divorce. Like (laughs) there were people messaging me, like wanting to kind of know what had happened or just saying like, we're praying for you. But then I of course was having all these emotions and I'm like, are you, or do you just want to know stuff so you can pray for me? But this is like gossiping, you know, like, I don't know, like you go through everything. Um, so there was definitely a lot of fear. I didn't know. I didn't want people to think like, you know, oh, poor them or poor Kesley. She's so lost. What must she be going through? I went through a phase where, um, like right after we were getting a divorce and it was starting to be public where I felt like I was doing things on social media that if I was doing them with my like husband and if I had his permission, there wouldn't have been so many people being critical of how much of my body I was showing or like the way that I was acting or whatever. But like, because I was single and newly divorced and like, now she's moving to a new city and all this stuff. I felt like so many people were like, she's lost it, you know? And she doesn't have like a man kind of saying, like approving of her. She's just on her own. And it just like was a weird thing. And like, there was a little second there where my parents were trying to overparent me because I wasn't mar- I wasn't connected to a man who could say, this is okay for her. And this is not okay for her. And like, I approve of this. So everyone else should approve of this. It was like, it was just me. And so like, that was a whole phase of like, can I even make decisions for myself? Or people like, it felt like people were like a little more critical and like, like, do I really need it? that was a whole mind fuck a little bit that must have been freaky like you know even I was wondering you know from the outside looking in I was like oh my gosh like I was excited for you of course because I was like "Ooh, I don't know what's about to happen now but she's a free woman like <laughs> <laughs> she's a free woman like but I, I, I love to see it. I, and I felt kind of the same way. Like I can relate to that being in a relationship, a long-term relationship. Um, I was with my partner for seven years and we, you know, we're not, not married. And like you said, it was going downhill um, the longer that it was going on. And yeah. one of the biggest things that was deterring me from ending it was wondering what would people think, you know, just like you said, like, fearing, oh my gosh, I have all these photos on social media of him. You know, I have all of this. Like if you Google my name, you can literally see him pop up in like Google images half the time. And it's just like, so I was just like, how am I supposed to like separate myself from this person? And even though I didn't grow up in the church, I still felt like I had some sort of rule book in my mind. And I was like, well, this is my high school sweetheart. I have to stay with him. You know, we live together. So we have to get married. You know, I'm like thinking all these things like this is how it's supposed to go. Even though deep down I knew, you know, something was missing or we just weren't, we weren't aligning any, any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely remember feeling like this shame, you know, like kind of just, yeah, feeling like I did something wrong, you know, because I ended it or because, um, we didn't work out. And, and that's such an interesting feeling like to, to come, to come out of the relationship and to just, you know, make a decision for you. Like no one else is in the relationship, but these two people, yet we still give power to other people's thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we just grow up with all of these fairy tales being pushed at us instead of just more of like a realistic like approach to things. And so when you have like that fairy tale sounding story, you don't want to mess it up. And I think we also take on too much response. Me and you're an only child. I'm a firstborn. And I think we sometimes too just take on all this responsibility of like, oh, if it didn't work out, it's because I didn't try hard enough. Right. Like I could stay I could I could have you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and it's just like but it takes two people Mm -hmm. and in our situations we were overcompensating a lot Mm -hmm. it's not healthy now that that chapter has ended 
Um, how are you leaning into starting over and like, what does that look like for you now? So before I just want to give a little synopsis, just in case anyone's not familiar with you. So we met in Baton Rouge, like you said, then you moved to Atlanta, Georgia to start your career with your partner in acting and music and entertainment, correct? And then, um, and then after you split with your partner, you went to Nashville, Tennessee to pursue your career in music. And do you still want to do acting and everything? I'm doing a little bit on this, on the side. Um, I've kind of taken a break and need to get back into it. I like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, you are, you are working on other things. So that is all right. I've learned that I need to focus on like one thing at a time. If I really want to do well in it, I've always been like a Jack of all trades, master of none for a while. And so I'm like really focusing on writing and putting out music and all of that. And then when acting stuff comes around, then I, I try to jump on it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what you've been working on. I hear that you have an EP coming out called Orange Juice. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm so excited. The previews you've been giving, I'm like, it's giving very much 90s, like 2000, early 2000s vibes, like rocker girl. And I'm just so excited, but I want to hear from you. What is it about? What inspired you? And how did this even like come about? Okay. So Orange Juice. Orange Juice has five songs on the EP. They're all kind of like indie pop, like very up, upbeat, fun songs with like some, some influences of like early 2000s pop punk stuff, but not like heavy on the pop punk. I know it's like trending right now and I honestly love it. I love that it's coming back. Um, So I kind of like had a couple of songs that kind of sounded more, they're just fun. A lot of them are storytelling, um, just these fun stories, all inspired by true events. Um, But I haven't had an EP where it's just like, all of these songs are so fun to do. And I want to have, I feel like it'd be so fun with a band. I've been so leaning on like using tracks and all this stuff. And like, I just want to have like no tracks, like garage band vibes where we're just like all having a good time and it's not too serious. Like you don't have to be like the coolest thing in the room to like listen to these songs and like sing along. And it's not too, I don't know, like it's just, they're really fun. Like one of them's called Stand from Staten Island. And it's about this like friendly stalker character that's like literally based on a true story. Um, this real person in in my life on the outskirts of my life, but also in a lot of other people's lives that I'm friends with. And it inspired this like character. And I like wrote the song about it. And it's like such a good song for spooky season. Um so I'm like happy. I'm happy that all these songs were worked out together and all of them are co-written and produced by different people. So it's like my first project where there's like influences from so many different creators in my life. Ooh. And what about what's your favorite song on the EP right now? I think my favorite one is Steve, Where's My Car? That one is about getting my car towed. Um and yeah, based on true events, Shy was here. You've, I don't think you've met, have you met Shy? No. No, you met Shy, but you know, I talk about him all the time. And he used to, when I was in Atlanta, we would do a lot of like live music together. And when I first moved to Nashville, I had him come up and we did a gig. And then for some reason, we parked the car outside in the parking lot and like didn't, we just left it in the middle of the parking lot. We unloaded half of our stuff, came upstairs and forgot to like go back downstairs and park the car in a parking spot Mm. and um, left the door open, left the keys inside, left (gasps) music instrument, like equipment in there, woke up the next day and it was gone. Oh, like where did we park this? Realized we didn't park it. It had been towed. So we had to like find it, get it. We were supposed to go to a writing session, a studio session. And we were like two hours late and we get there and I'm like, 
can we just write about what happened today? <laughs> so we write, he forced my car. And it's one of the most fun. And I just did it in a bar recently mm. on Broadway and taught some of the people like the song and they were all singing it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like it was a good test run to see how the song would do. And like, it's a really fun, fun one. Yes. I love that. What are you most in, like excited about with this release and when does it come out? It comes out September 23rd. So it's literally this Friday, Woo! Monday while we're recording this. Um, but yeah, so it'll be out. I'm also going on tour same night. The first night of the tour is actually Thursday night, but I'm hopping on Friday night. Um, just logistics worked out that way. But, um, so I'm excited. I've never done like, first of all, I've never done a full EP release. Like, I think that's one of the most exciting things about this is that it's a whole project that I'm putting out at once. Whereas before I've done waterfall releases, which is when you put one song out every four to six weeks. And I think the idea behind it is it's supposed to help maybe some sort of algorithm thing with like Spotify and whatever. And at first I liked that, but it got very overwhelming and like hard to keep up with, you know, it's like a lot of putting a single out every four to six months is like an insane roller coaster. I feel like, and I just eventually was not able to really focus on one because the next one was already coming up. So this time it's like my whole life, my thought process, like when I'm picking out clothes and getting, when I'm getting my hair done, like planning for the tour, like my whole vibe is like orange juice when I'm taking photos and when I'm out, like I'm looking for anything that inspires me, inspires content, inspires a feeling, any a vibe that's all focused on orange juice. It's like a lot easier and a lot more fun to like, put myself into it. Cause it's just one thing. And I'll be like promoting this for like probably a few months. Um, and getting to go on tour with it is like, it's just cool. It's just cool. I've never done this. So I'm having fun. Yes. And congratulations. Like, I feel like this is all within your vision already. So I love to see it like unfolding and you've been doing such a great job with the marketing for orange juice. Like every time I see a new orange concept, I'm like, this is so fun. <laughs> so I, I need to know what's the meaning behind the name orange juice. <laughs> Good question. Um, I really just like love the, the, again, like the whole thing is like a vibe like I'm just looking for vibes that like go together. I'm from Florida originally, which we haven't even talked about on this, but um, orange juice is like fun. It's sweet. It's delicious. It's a little sticky. Like it's a, it's good with a mimosa. It's good just by itself with like some, some pancakes and bacon, you know, it's a good morning afternoon drink. And it's like colorful. I've been really into orange. I like was flipping through this color book in this like hippie store one time. And I was like already super into orange. And then I like opened, I was like, let me see what it says about orange. And it was talking about like your, um, it's, it was talking about exploring your sexuality or something like that. And I had just like gone divorced. So I was just like, oh, this is the new, like me, this is the new wave, like orange. And I've just stuck with orange for like two years. Like it's just been a color that's like speaking to me a lot. Um, and then being from Florida, I was like, got to represent. And I didn't want to pick a song on the EP to name the EP after. I just didn't want to. So I was like, I'm going to come up with something else. And I like tried a few different things out. I wanted it to represent me a little bit. Um, and I was like, orange juice, like it's kind of sexy. It's kind of fun. It kind of makes sense. It kind of doesn't like we're going with that. <laughs> Mm, okay. That makes sense. I didn't even put together the Florida connection. So that's that. I like that. Yeah. And it looks good. I love the orange and I love seeing the orange on you. Mm -hmm. I never thought I'd see a day where you weren't like blonde, but then again, you did have red hair and like, you've gone through some hair changes. Right. So yeah. Mm. But <laughs> bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> but the orange is, I, I love it. It's a lot of fun. And you said you're touring. So where are you touring? We're going, our first stop is Lexington, Kentucky. I don't even think I've 
been to Kentucky before. Um, there's a few cities I literally couldn't point out on a map where they are, but it's all a Midwest tour. I'm going on tour with um, America Part Two and Harbor. Harbor is the headlining band who I actually talk about some manifestation. Okay. I was in LA in January or February and went to Troubadour. One of my friends was opening and um, it was my friend Kenzo was, I guess, supporting. Then it was Harbor opening and then Spill Canvas was headlining. And the Troubadour is like this iconic venue in LA, all of like the big bands and stuff like play there at some point. And um, I was like, what a vibe. And I really connected with Harbor. I was like, cool. They're so cool. Like if I whatever like went on a tour with a band like that like I was basically thinking like my future 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 self would like know a band like Carver and then I find out that like all of those bands my booking agent and my manager books for all of those bands that were playing and she was like I randomly I was like I love Harbor loved their stuff loved their vibe she's like cool and then months later, she's like, do you want to tour with them? Do you want to do a couple of shows with them? Like I have these. And so I went to Chicago and Indianapolis in May, I think with them, we all vibed so well. It was so much fun. They were like, oh my God, like, I wish you were coming on the rest of the tour with us. Like, you know, we got to do something, whatever. And then they have this other like short run coming up. It's like two weeks long and they wanted me to do the whole thing with them. And I just feel- uh -huh blessed I guess yes it was a lot sooner than I would have thought and I'm I'm going solo so I'm performing by myself not a band not like a duo situation like it's just me on stage in front of could be 20 people could be 50 100 like I don't really know what to expect from venue to venue and from city to city mm -hmm. but it's like a massive confidence boost when you accomplish it mm -hmm. but like very nerve-wracking before I did one the first I did the opening night in Chicago for them on their last tour and I walked up on stage I think I had a couple shots or like a glass of wine before I just I couldn't I was like I can't not. <laughs> I was like walking up onto the stage my back was to the audience and I literally said to, I made a face at the wall no one could see me and I said to myself like what the fuck are you doing and then I turned around and was like, and then started performing and I was like I grew up such a shy child and like this was a dream of mine to like do what I'm doing and I'm just like God is real because I, there's no way that I would be doing what I'm doing right now if it weren't some sort of miracle involved. <laughs> well first of all girl I mean you're gifted so <laughs> let's you. just be clear <laughs> this girl can sing like I want to put some emphasis on that even during your worship days, I mean, you blow the house down, like truly, like you have pipes, you have passion, you have emotion, like people can feel you when you sing. Oh, thank you. I'm not even surprised by how things are unfolding. Are, are you genuinely surprised like at how things are going um, since you really chose yourself or does this all kind of feel like it's in alignment? Everything really feels in alignment. And I think one of the most relatable, I guess, um, pieces of advice maybe from this whole podcast episode for me is like when you do follow your intuition, you do choose yourself in like a healthy, like this is gonna be healthier for me if I change my life in this direction. You just have that feeling, you know, we, we all have that gut feeling, that intuition. Everyone listening right now knows what that thing is, whether it's quitting a job or applying for a job or a move or a breakup or like whatever. It's like, you know what that thing is. And I feel like no matter how scary making the actual decision is, from what I've seen in my life and in all of my friends' lives, it's like things just fall into place when you do what God or the universe like is telling you you need to do and I feel like since I made those life decisions those life changes financially my life has been different career-wise creatively like my my acne is cleared up a lot I'm healthier like I'm more happy with my my physical self more than before like my mental state is better. Like 
still had lots of plenty of ups and downs and like questioning. You're, you're always growing. But so many of my past problems and things that I just wanted to change so badly, like so many things have fallen into place and been aligned. And there's times where I look at other people on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube, whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'm not at that level or they're younger than me and I haven't accomplished that or I'm nowhere near whatever. And I start to go be like down on myself. And then I think about where I was a year ago, where I was a year and a half ago, the problems that I had, like the lack of personal space that I had, the lack of resources that I had, the lack of so much certain like experiences in like performing and being in studios that I had looking to now. I'm like, I have chosen myself. I've grown so much. I've completely changed my life. I, for the first time, have a nice apartment in a good area in a nice city. I have a bed frame. I haven't had a bed frame in like my entire, entire, maybe like the last three years of our marriage, like haven't had a nice bed frame, like simple things like that. For real. <laughs> and you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's so mm-hmm. many people And it's like, yeah, I, you change, you make that decision. You take that jump, you take that leap of faith. Like so many things fall into place and then never, never compare where you're at to other people. Like just basically just compare to yourself. Like, have you grown? Have you changed? Like have things gotten better or worse? Like you're responsible for you. I have it on my mirror. I'm like, I am the only one responsible for me, for my well-being, for my health, for my success. Like I have to make choices every day that are going to be good for me because no one else is going to do that. And I think the moment that you rely on someone else to give you X, Y, and Z, like you kind of lose, you lose a piece of yourself when you accomplish, when you get those things that you want, it's not the same when you're expect, when you're like being handed it, or you're expecting someone to get it for you. Like you have to go out and you have to make it happen for yourself. Yep. Totally. I definitely tell myself that often. I'm like, especially in the hard times, I'm like, girl, no one is going to save you. Like, (laughs) as much as you want to like hide and under the bed and like, you know, like not take action. It like, it requires some serious drive and dedication to do what we do, which is, you know, following our dreams and, and really pursuing our, our purpose. So yes. And I, I, everything you were saying, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally with you <laughs> as far as how your life just and I was looking at you I'm like your skin looked amazing like when we were talking what last year when you interviewed me for your podcast um my skin was in a totally different state I was still living with my ex you know I was just I was making some new revelations and I was coming up on you know some big life changes but my skin was going through hell like I remember even when we went for brunch one day and you just like prayed over me and you touched my hands and girl that meant so much to me like at that time that meant like I'm like getting teary eyed just thinking about it (laughs) it meant so much to me for you to see me in that way and and it also like made me realize I was like wow I'm really struggling like I didn't even realize it like I was in such deep denial that I didn't even realize like oh my gosh like it took you, you know, coming to see me and you hadn't seen me in so long and like, you know, shed like reminding me like, Hey girl, like, you know, what's going on with your skin? What's going on with you? And like you wanting to help like genuinely. And that like really made me realize like, Oh my gosh, yes. Like it is getting out of control. Like something has got to give when I did like everything, like you said, it just started aligning. Like when I left Baton Rouge and moved to New Orleans and I moved in with my mom, you know, it didn't look like what I wanted my life to look like. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 20 something years old. And I'm moving back in with my mom after, you know, I've already started my career and graduated, got a degree and all of that. But that was what it took, you know, moving in with her, then moving out, I was able to get my own apartment, pay for things all by myself, you know, that was a big deal. And then healing, you know, I had just went through surgery, I had just had my thyroid removed and been told I had thyroid cancer, I had just had, you know, eczema from my scalp to my toes. And so, and then fast forward, here we are, and I had just quit my job, you know, as a full time magazine writer, like, 
you talk about having no money. Like you talk about being broke, girl. I was broke. Like had no, like there were days where I was just like, all right, guess I'm gonna eat some oatmeal today. Guess I'm a, you know, like making it happen. But like, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I knew that there was no other way to do it, you know, because I couldn't stay stuck. I couldn't be, and that life was no longer serving me. And like you kind of expressed, your body will show you, like your your life circumstances will show you that something is not aligned. Something is not right. Mm-hmm. And when that voice gets in your head and you finally start seeing it and you're like, I need to make a change, you got to listen to it. Like you said, you know when it it comes to you and it's almost like I describe it as like a ton of bricks like it just knocks you over because there's a point where it'll like knock on your door a little bit like the voices you know and it'll be like okay you should leave him I think you should leave him you know it starts it starts but then it comes with girl if you don't leave him today or tomorrow you know and that's how it happened to me it was like it was knocking on my door for probably a few years I'm gonna say like I knew I was supposed to leave years, you know, before I actually did, it got to the point, what it took for me was my diagnosis. You know, when, when I was at the doctor and they told me I had thyroid cancer, I got home and I came to him and I was like, you know, and I barely got the words out. And I was like, I have, you know, they told me I have thyroid cancer. And he was like, we're going to get through this. That's what he told me. We're going to get through this. And I remember there was a voice in my head and it said, no, I'm going to get through this. And it was as clear as day. And I knew from then on out, it was going to be, it was up to me. And I told my mom and she was like, all right, everything's figure outable. She was like, come on. Like, you know, you, you know, you have a room in my house. And that was that. And I broke my lease. I got out of there. And, and it's like, things seem so set in stone, you know, sometimes like I thought, you know, I had just, we had just moved into a new apartment, girl. We just signed a, a year long lease. So I thought for certain I was stuck. I was like, all right, Cynthia, just finish this year out and then you can leave them. And I'm sure you felt the same way. Like you're married, you are bind, you are bounded, you know, by legally. And so I could feel like so set in stone, like you can't escape. And I'm sure so many people feel that way and they think that they can't leave, but thank God we did. Right. Because I mean, my eczema has come so far. Like I can't even believe what my skin looks like sometimes now, because I'm just like, I never thought I was going to get back to, or I, I hoped I would, but I almost didn't see the light. You know, I almost couldn't see it. And it all like, you know, people are like, oh, what medicine did you take? And what this did you do? And I really think it's so much deeper than that. Like it was the life changes. And I'm sure you could probably say the same, or I'm curious if you would say the same, but it really was the changes that were happening on the inside, you know, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And then the changes that I made on the outside of of what my life looked like that really, really kicked things into gear. Would you, would you say the same? I would say the same thing for myself and I can't speak for men, but at least for what I know and what I've researched about women and our bodies and hormones and our cycles, your body will communicate with you when you are unwell. (laughs) Like I'm telling I was constipated, acne, bloated. I swear my boobs have gotten a little bit bigger. I mean, I'm also aging and like, I like your hormones do change around like 23, 24, like so many things, but like, oh my gosh, the stress, stress will kill you before like anything else. Yeah. Like, stress is a cancer in the body. Like if you don't take care of you and in your mind, like it's so bad. And the more you like deny that, deny your circumstances and like, don't take care of it. It literally is the worst. I literally started feeling so much better. I was literally so insecure in my body and sexually and like pretty much everything except my career accomplishments, because I was just proud of myself for how I was hustling before I got divorced. Um, and it's just like, first of all, if you're in a relationship and you feel insecure about your physical appearance or your sexual nature, that's a red flag. It shouldn't be that way. So that was just for me, another experience, but like, I agree with everything you're saying. And I'm very proud of you. Insane what you've gone through and like come out on the other side of. 
Thank you. Thank you. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I am just so grateful that I listened to those voices and, and my intuition, like you said, because we all have it and we all know, we all, we all have an inner knowing um, that we should follow. And I'm glad we both did because it got us to the point that we are now. <laughs> so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love myself so much more now. Yes. Yes. And I, that's what I was curious too. Like what have you learned um, or how have you evolved since, um, since your transition, since you stepped into your single womanness? Mm. <laughs> uh, I've learned that I don't, <laughs> this is so crazy. I've learned that I don't know how to date as an adult because I, last time I technically like dated, I was like 18, 19. So that is one thing I've learned to really accept myself and love myself and just be confident and, and like appreciate even my awkward moments and stuff, like just go with it. And just like learning, I'm learning a whole new or coming up with a whole new set of rules for myself. Like, and even if all those rules are, have no rules, like then that's what it is, you know, but I'm literally, it's fun. It's scary before starting over, but I think once you do and you accept it, like having the intention of like, this is fun and I'm going to get to know myself more and I'm going to be the version of me that I am that's not really being heavily influenced by another person that I'm like living with or doing life with, or they have these expectations of me. Like, it's just you at the end of the day. Like, am I proud of myself? Am I happy with myself? Like learning those parts of me have been like really crazy and nice. (laughs) Yeah. What have you uncovered about this version of yourself? I've realized that um, I'm kind of weird and really kind of dorky. And I like that. Um, I realized that I think I have ADHD. I also saw this TikTok of this girl talking about how certain like toxic relationships can manifest in the other person as ADHD. So I don't know, that's a whole nother topic. And I need like a professional in my life to like help me with that one. But like, I'm talking to my therapist about it. But I really love my creative decisions. And I love, I'm more comfortable with my body. I'm more comfortable with wearing clothes that excite me and like going for vibes full out and like even accepting like when I I'm better at communicating how I feel I know myself better I know like when I need to step away and make a a healthy decision for myself that's been one of the biggest ones of like I don't need to be at this bar right now or this party right now like I need to go home I need water I need sleep or I'm gonna go out and have fun and I'm not gonna be like second guessing everything like I'm just gonna go with the flow today that's been really nice and I'm curious what advice do you have for people who are also starting over whether it's a divorce or just a new chapter of life what advice do you have for them I think be alone before you make a decision, process your feelings. I always did brain dumps. I would just write every single thought that was popping into my mind and like not pick my pen up off the paper until I ran out of thoughts pretty much. Cause I think when you're in those moments, you're having all of these thoughts that are cycling around and it's like the same thing. And I was losing it. It's like brain dump all of it and maybe call at least like two people that have your best interest at heart that have known you, that know you, that are familiar with your situation. I think keep, everyone wants to be like super popular and have all of these friends. But I think if you have at least your core of one or two friends or family members that like they've seen you at your best and worst and like you keep, you kept them around. They kind of know what's going on. Always have a couple of people that know what's going on in your life. You'd never want to just like completely isolate. As much as I'm trying to like turn voices off so that I can hear my own, I do think having a couple of those like really healthy people that really love you no matter what and are going to support you no matter what speaking like 
life and truth into you is really good. And then write a letter to yourself, like, write. I bought a birthday card for myself. It was, I can't even remember. I'm 27 now. I think I opened it on this past birthday. So I was 26 and I was in the middle of like, this isn't good. Life is not good. I bought myself a birthday card and was like, Hey, Kesley, happy birthday. If this hasn't happened by your 27th birthday, if this has happened, if this hasn't, please make this choice, please change your life. I was able to tell my future self how I wanted things to be. And I was having a hard time telling my present self to just, you know, pull the plug right now. So I think, see how you kind of respond to yourself and how you would talk to yourself and then make a decision for your future self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love those. Those are good tips. Those are really good. I love that writing a letter to your future self. That is good. Yeah. Cause then it kind of holds you accountable. I think my journal kind of does that. Like I, when I was, you know, thinking about making some steps for myself for life changes, I went back and looked through my journal and I saw my like, girl, you have been writing about the same thing for years. Like, yeah. And it's like, when are you going to do something about it? So it kind of did become this thing. Like, do you want to see yourself writing about the same thing next year? No, like life can look a lot different. So I like that. I like that technique as well. That's good. Yeah. Another thing that I've learned, it took me a while to process when you asked me a question ago about what have I learned now kind of thing. Um, as far as relationships go, I, I'm not, I don't want to bend who I am, change who I am for a man. And I've learned that like, it's okay to have, I don't want to say like a checklist or like a, or like these expert I don't know what's the word I'm looking for like a standard or whatever yeah all kinds of different shapes and forms and stuff and I don't really know what the right verbiage is but like learn I've been I'm open to learning what I like and what I don't like and what I'm like I can't live with someone who does that that's not healthy for me or for them and like you don't have to put up with things that are unhealthy in a partner just because you love them like if you love them you want the best for them and for yourself Otherwise it's not going to work out. So like I'm done changing these big parts of me that I love about myself for someone to be accepted by a man. And I think, I think men or the right man's going to respect like who you are. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Love you as is flaws and all whatever comes with this package currently. (laughs) I always say that I think I was like baking on potential, you know, with with my last partner. I think we both had a little bit of that, you know, we were like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, we see all this goodness and oh, we see their skills and their talents and oh, you know, all these things that we see, but they were not tapping into them at the time, you know, and there was not enough push, not enough support, not enough love, encouragement, that we could give them that was going to get them to progress. Like they genuinely had to do it on their own. So sometimes it really does take you stepping, you know, removing yourself from the equation so that both parties can become their highest self. I think a lot of people are going to hear this and relate to this, especially people who have been in the church or in religious settings or environments and people that have been married and, you know, who have come out of it um, or left a long relationship and made some life changes. So I really appreciate you opening up and being vulnerable and sharing your story. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I of course. You, our friendship. I love this podcast. Go brunch for the soul. <laughs> Thank you. So, okay, there's two things I want to ask you real quick. So one, what is feeding your soul? Oh, honestly, music. Music and expressing myself in artistic ways is feeding my soul so much. And being in a creative city and I live with my best friend, Sam from high school, like that's it like literally could not get any better, but music has really been feeding my soul. Like I feel the best when I'm listening to new music or like music that I've has, I don't know, inspired me in the past few years gets the best. Yes. 
Can't wait for orange juice to come out. <laughs> so make sure everyone, you better download, pre-order, stream this EP because we are ready and it should be out by the time, well, it will be out by the time this comes out. Um, so hopefully you'll have already listened to it like a thousand times by the time this uh, podcast comes out. But lastly, how can people find you and how can people keep up with you? You can find me on Instagram and TikTok is where I'm the most active. And it's at Kesley Boo, K-E-S-L-E-Y-B-O-U. And then my music is on Apple Music and Spotify. And I think a lot of other platforms, it's all linked in my Instagram. Those are the best ways. My music videos get posted on YouTube every once in a while, whenever I make one. (laughs) Yay. And she's so talented. So prepare to fall in love. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kesley, for being on the show. I really appreciate you. And I just can't wait to see what happens on your journey next. Thank you so much. Yes. I love you lot. Love you. Bye. Bye. Did you enjoy this podcast? Do you know someone who could also benefit from this conversation? Share this episode with them. And make sure to leave us your thoughts in the reviews. We want to hear from you. Also, special thank you to Jay Hale for our soulful intro and outro music. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to feed your soul.